Lawrence Gregory with the sermon. Another letter to the CGOM about Enoch. And I didn't look over there, was I? Okay? Okay, you can go now. Thank you. <laughs> As we know, the day of Pentecost is tomorrow. And since presumably the messages, our studies, our thoughts will be about the meaning of that uh, feast day of Pentecost, I decided to have a different message today. And I took this off of just a recent letter that we received from a gentleman to CGOM from uh, somewhere in Europe. I don't have his uh, exact address, which is not important, and he wasn't on our files. So I'm going to read what he has to say in his letter. And since I don't know how to respond to him, uh, I'd like you to just think about, uh, as I go through some of the responses that we have to uh, his uh, letter here, of, of how you would uh, address some of his concerns. Dear CGOM, article concerning Enoch, your church is incorrect. Acts 7.16, and they were carried over into Sikkim and were laid in the tomb that Abraham brought for, bought for a price in money from the sons of Emor of Sikkim. We can actually see that in Acts 7.16, carried over and buried are separate and different statements. The article from your church states, God took Enoch and buried him. Unless you are a prophet or an angel or Christ, this is incorrect and misleading statement to make because it doesn't say so in scripture. And Hebrews 11:6, by faith Enoch was translated not to see death and was not found because that which you call God did translate him. For before his translation, he had been testified to that he had pleased that which you call God well. Hebrews 11.6 has a statement that mentions translated, but where is the very different and separate statement of burial? It is clearly, very clearly incorrect to state that that which you call God buried Enoch based upon the word translated or the words carried over. It is opinion only. Also, it is an opinion which is falsely based upon nothing but opinionated, twisted, or mistaken examination of Scripture. Acts, in relation to Jacob, clearly defines a difference between being carried over and buried with a separation of the two totally different meanings. Hebrews does not. In Hebrews, concerning Enoch, burial is not referred to whatsoever. Your article is misleading, and I petition you to correct it. The same applies to the following paragraph in your article concerning Deuteronomy 34.6. The whole CGOM article about Enoch is a fallacy. I hope that you come to understand the truth of he who was called Enoch and his name. So we've uh, seen the letter that he wrote, and unfortunately we can't respond to him because it's uh, uh, no address and just uh, a name, so somewhere coming through uh, England's postal system. So now I have uh, some scripture references concerning 
Enoch. First, let's turn to Genesis, the fifth chapter, and we'll read a few verses here. Genesis 5, and we'll read 18 through 24. Genesis 5, 18 through 24. And Jared lived a hundred sixty and two years, and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch eight hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were nine hundred years, nine hundred and sixty and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived sixty and five years, and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Then in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, New Testament scripture, Hebrews 11, and we're so familiar with these scripture references that we're going to quote here. And by the way, uh, the reference was to this article, the uh, little booklet, Where Are Enoch and Elijah, which was written many, many years ago in the 80s and then published by Tom Justice, and we distributed, and there's a number of them over on the stand if, you, if it's been a few years since you've received one. Where are Enoch and Elijah? So a lot of these uh, things are uh, covered in that article. Hebrews 11:13 says this, through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, going on down to verse 13, therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them. Now, uh, if you will go back to the beginning of this chapter, you'll see that there are references here to Adam, well, to uh, uh, Abraham, to Enoch, to Abel, to uh, Sarah, to uh, those a few, and then there's more mentioned on later, and we'll, we'll cover a whole litany of a number of names that lead up to Enoch, that the scriptures say very clearly, if we accept the scripture, they all died. Enoch is mentioned in verse uh, 5 uh, and verse 3, by faith Enoch. And so Enoch is mentioned in this chapter, and it says they all died. Now, here's a question. When did he die? That is a concern, and that is a question. Hebrews 9.27, read that, back up to Hebrews 9.27, and it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the, the judgment. And so if Enoch was a man, then it is appointed unto him to die. And the scriptures very clearly mentioning his name said that these all died in faith, and it mentions in verse 3, the Enoch was uh, a man of, uh, of uh, faith, verse, through verse 6. Okay, uh, John 3.13, let's read what Jesus said, because this is important for us to know, because uh, John 
I'll just read uh, one verse here. And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven, is in the rest of King James. Now, if you look in a number of different translations and look at notes in some of those translations, you'll see that this word in heaven was not in a lot of the original manuscripts. In fact, one translation says, which was his home in heaven, he left that and he, uh, he left his home in heaven. So Jesus very clearly in the first part of this verse says, no man has ascended to heaven, but Jesus that came from heaven. So if he came from heaven in, uh, uh, what, 2,000 years ago, we know that he lived many years after Enoch, who lived in the uh, first thousand years, that he knew that nobody had gone to heaven. So here's a question. Where is, where is Enoch? Where is he? Okay, in uh, 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, and we know this is uh, the resurrection chapter, and there are a lot of powerful, important verses here that uh, we're going to have to leave for Steve later. He likes to <laughs> expound on this, and we all do, and Reggie mentioned it earlier, but uh, he didn't read here. But I, I just want to uh, select a few verses from 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 22, says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So everyone that's dead will be given an opportunity to live. Everyone that is uh, dead, righteous, will be given an opportunity to live. So everyone since Adam and Enoch very clearly was a descendant of, uh, of uh, Adam, so he died. Now, Adam, Seth, Enos, Canaan, Mahaliel, Jared, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, all of these righteous sons that are mentioned, descendants, in Genesis, the fifth chapter, up to Noah, and we know what happened, that everyone perished, it's just those eight people came through on this side of the flood, they all died. And uh, so they are, according to the scripture, dead. Now, 1 Corinthians here, while we're here, verse 53 and 54, just touches briefly here. 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then it shall be brought to pass a saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So very clearly, the scriptures identify, as even the first message, showing that uh, mankind created in God's image, but we're fleshly, we're physical, we're mortal, we're going to die. Everyone from Adam is going to die. So, did Enoch die, or did he escape death? And where is Enoch? Uh, that, that is what we'll look at here as we progress through this. Now, man is mortal, man is corruptible, man is physical, man is going to die. Everyone from Adam that is human is going to die. Now, let's go to Acts, because he mentions Acts, the... Uh, 7th chapter, verse 15, Acts 7, 15, and 16. 
Verse 15. So Jacob went down into Egypt and died, he and our fathers. It's not even talking about Enoch. It's talking about Jacob, okay? And were carried over into Sychem and laid in the sepulcher that Abraham bought for a sum of money of the sons of Emor, the father of Sychem. So it's not even referring here to Enoch. It's referring to Jacob. But he mentions a couple of things here. He mentions the word carried and the word laid. Now, I have a number of translations at home, and I looked at those, and, and they were very helpful, but I decided not to uh, bring a lot of different translations and, and read different translations. You can do that in your own study at home, but instead I took uh, a few uh, opportunities to look at some of the words in vines, which is keyed into Strong's and other uh, commentaries. So uh, first I'd like to look at page 162 concerning the uh, word carried and uh, see what uh, he says here and this would be uh, keyed into Strong's. The Greek word is number 3346. Metatithemi, if that's the pronunciation in the English of the Greek word. It means to place among put in another place, implying change, has the latter meaning in Acts 7.16, carried over. And then it refers you to some other words. So the word carried means taken to another place. Just carried. And so this is what they did. They took Jacob and some of uh, the descendants, probably Joseph and different ones, out of uh, Egypt transported them, and the ones that were dead, they buried them there in uh, uh, Sikkim. Now, the word laid, this word is number 5087. Now, let me turn to a couple of pages here uh, and read. Uh, let's see. Um, just bear with me a few minutes as I find the uh, page. And this Greek word is number 5087, and it's tithemi. It means to put, place, signifies to lay, and is used of laying a corpse in a tomb, and referring to Acts 7, 16. And also then a, another reference here to the same word. Page 996, and, um, well, page 906, excuse me, let me back up here. Here again, the word put, tithemi, to place, lay, set, put, is translated to put in. And so it's obvious that what the Greek is saying and what we would understand in English is 
those fathers, Jacob and others that were dead, were carried out of Egypt to this new land and were placed or were put in this tomb. Now, when you uh, work in a cemetery, you know that usually when people are buried in the ground, you'll say buried. When they're put or placed in a tomb or entombed, you'll use that phrase a little different. Uh, you won't necessarily say buried in a mausoleum. You'll say entombed or placed or uh, laid in that mausoleum because it's generally above ground. So those caves, uh, it could be questioned about where they were put or placed or laid. The point is, their dead bodies were buried or placed or put there uh, in, in the uh, burial place, in the tomb. So you can see other translations will say they were moved or they were put or they were placed. You can look at other translations to help there. Now, Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter. Let's go back and look at uh, a reference that he made in Deuteronomy 34. So Deuteronomy 32nd chapter. Those uh, of you who are longtime members already know and understand this. Uh, some of the uh, newer ones might uh, be interested in this. And I just encourage you to uh, uh, read that article, read the scriptures, and see if what we are saying today is not uh, a correct explanation of that booklet that was written a number of years ago. Okay, uh, Deuteronomy 32, 48. And the Lord spake unto Moses the selfsame day, saying, Get you up into this mountain, Abiram, unto Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, that is over against Jericho, and behold the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel for possession. Go up and look, and you can high up on that mountain, you can see that land there. And die in the mount, whither you go up, and be gathered unto your people, as Aaron your brother died in Mount Hor and was gathered unto his people because and he uh, disobeyed God and uh, he mentions uh, the reason he was not permitted to go into the land because of the sin that he had done. How would you like to be just singled out? Okay, go over here and die. I mean, how do you do that? I mean, just go die. Moses did and he obeyed God and he died. Now, Deuteronomy 34 chapter, because he mentioned this in verse... Five, and uh, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him. Who is he? The one that you call God? Scoffing in brackets and ridiculing. If you don't call him God, what do you call him? Thousands of times he's called God. Yeah, the devil can duplicate a counterfeit and he can have his gods and his idols and he can be worshipped as God. But God, the true, the creator, the God, the true God that we know and we believe and we worship and we follow, he's the one that buried Moses. He. Now I know this he is in small h, a small uh, pronoun, but it's not capitalized, but that doesn't take away that it's God buried Moses in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor, but no man knows of his sepulcher unto this day. Now we can say, well, God buried Moses because he didn't want him to be worshipped and become a relic and his bones dug up and 
carried around and you know like uh, what happens in some modern religions where they make uh, relics a part of their worship and uh, uh, include those uh, as a uh, testament to their correctness of religious practice so for some reason God didn't want that to happen and he buried Moses after he died now let's go to another uh, reference here because this, this will help us and, and this is concerning the prophet Elijah in the book of 2 Kings we read verse 1 it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal and then we'll skip ahead just a little bit to verse 11 and it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Now, here's where we have to use a little logic and, and the scriptures to clarify this, and I won't go into it, but we know there are three heavens, right? Three heavens. First heaven is where the birds fly, the sky. The second heavens is outer space where the planets are. We talk about the heavens declare the glory of God. So both where the clouds are and where the uh, uh, planets are, one and two heavens. And Paul was caught up to the third heaven, which is symbolically, uh, whether he was taken literally or in a dream or a vision or, or whatever, the third heaven is God's throne where the angels are, where God is, where all of the things that we, describe, we see described in the scriptures about this heavenly realm. So we have one, two, three. Which heaven was Elijah? Well, Jesus came from the third heaven, where his home is, was, and where he's gone back to, and he said, no man has gone there. And he knew hundreds and hundreds of years after Enoch lived and died, well, we'll say died because we'll prove that he died. Uh, he wasn't in heaven. So which heaven? So apparently he was taken up into the sky in this flaming chariot because we read another following scripture that is uh, very good here in uh, a couple of scriptures in verse 16 and 17. Now, after this happened, and Elisha, is the prophet. He'd received the mantle that fell off Elijah when he was taken up, and so he was in his stead. And so some of the sons of the prophets came to Elisha, in verse 16, and they said unto him, Behold now, there be with your servants fifty strong men. Let them go, we pray you, and seek your master, lest perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, you shall not send. But when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, okay, go ahead, send. They sent therefore 50 men, and they sought three days, but found him not. They looked for him, but they didn't find him. Now remember the scripture about Enoch. God translated that he was not found. Okay, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But these 
sons of the prophet, these young men that were very strong, 50 of them were going all over because they thought maybe Elijah fell out of the chariot and he was out someplace and they'd find his body. They didn't find him. They looked for him, but they didn't find him. Now, we go to uh, the Second Chronicles, the 21st chapter, and we'll read in uh, verse uh, 12, 2 uh, Chronicles 21, 12. And there came a writing to him, that is, to Jehoram, the king. Now, there have been a number of years that have passed since Elijah was taken up by the chariot. And there have been some uh, changes in the administration in both Israel and in Judah. Different kings have come. And so a number of years have passed, seven to ten years approximately. It depends on, uh, on how you count and, and uh, equate the years past. So we'll say a number of years. Between seven and ten years have passed. And now another king is on the throne, a wicked king, and, and, and uh, Elijah the prophet, there came a writing to him from Elijah the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord God of David, your father, because you have not walked in the ways of Jehoshaphat, your father, nor in the ways of Asa, king of Judah, but have walked in the way of the kings of Israel, and have made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to go a-whoring like to the whoredoms of the house of Ahab, and also have slain your brethren of your father's house, which were better than you. Behold, with a great plague will the Lord smite the people, and thy children, and thy wives, and all thy goods, and you shall have great sickness by disease of your bowels, until your bowels fall out by reason of the sickness day by day. And so, years later after he was taken up, and they couldn't find him. Here he was, still on the earth, still aware of what was going on in the current events, a new administration, a wicked administration. And so he writes a letter rebuking him, and his prophecy came to pass in, Jehor in Jehoram's uh, life. And uh, the uh, result of his disobedience to God. Now let's go back to the New Testament again, to the book of Jude. And we'll read uh, a couple of verses here of what uh, Jesus' brother Jude wrote uh, before the uh, book of Revelation. We'll read a couple of verses here, verse 14 and verse uh, uh, through verse 16, three verses. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousand of his saints, to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurs, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaking great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage." They thought because uh, they could uh, promote themselves, they could uh, flatter themselves in knowing uh, certain individuals. But the, the point is here that uh, Enoch was looked for and he wasn't found. Now, there's two possibilities, and the, uh, some of the theologians and writers that uh, 
quote uh, Jewish writers and their interpretation of uh, some of the things that were going on in, in the times that some of these wicked, evil people that uh, Enoch was rebuking in his day were looking for him to try to kill him. That's why God translated him, transported him, took him to a different place, carried him over to a different place. We'll see that in, in a few minutes here. Now, that's one possible uh, explanation. Uh, it's not mentioned very clearly in the scripture, but we do have the example of Elijah, of the righteous sons looking for Elijah, but they couldn't find him. And that he showed up later on the earth and uh, he was uh, uh, able to write that letter of rebuke. So was what Elijah who was carried or transported to another place of the earth, was this what happened to Enoch, that he was taken to another place and then he lived out his life and then he died as mortal human flesh, not having received the promise. He's not in heaven. He's not on the clouds floating around. Where is Enoch today? Can you talk to him? Well, some might think they can talk to Enoch today or that he wrote a book uh, uh, generations ago uh, that became a part of the scripture or, uh, or not. So uh, where is Enoch? Now, in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, let's continue on here a little more about uh, Enoch in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Verse 5, we'll read, By faith, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So now we've seen earlier that that word translated uh, can, can mean a change of position. Well, let me read this uh, because this is a little different here. Uh, this, this word is uh, number 3331 instead of 3336. Let me go to uh, Vines again to uh, page 1162. Might have helped if I'd put uh, some of those little markers uh, in here to make this a little quicker. The, the Greek word is um, metathesis, and it is the word 3331 is, is Strong's numbering of this word. It means a change of position is rendered translation in Hebrews 11.5. See change, we, th we talked about that earlier. So a change in position, and then if we go back to change, page 172, we can read um, this metathesis, this word 3331 from Strong's, is a transposition or a transference from one place to another, implying change, to, and, and tithame, to put, has a meaning of change. And so he was changed from one position to another. He was transported, he was transferred. As some translation says, he was moved from one place to another. Now, uh, Let's, uh, let's go to Colossians, the first chapter. Back up a little bit here to Colossians, 
all of these, I, th I think most of these uh, references are uh, in the book. It's been so many years since I've read every word in uh, the booklet except without uh, scanning through some of these uh, thoughts as I were, was looking at this uh, letter and, and thinking of these uh, scripture references. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about who has delivered us, God, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So some translations will say God who has rescued us, who has saved us from the power of this darkness has changed our sides to his kingdom. We have changed sides. We have uh, changed from, now this, this first uh, word here, uh, God has delivered us is the word 4506 and it is uh, Ruhamai and it means rescue, saved, preserved. So God has rescued us, he has saved us, he has preserved us, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated, this word is 3179, the Greek word, metatissimi, means to change or to uh, remove or to turn sides. So God has turned us from the power of darkness to the power of light, to the power of his kingdom. We have, we're not in the kingdom of God now as a spirit being, are we? We're in members of the kingdom of God. We're citizens of the, of the heavenly realm. We're a part of the kingdom of God as a physical being, having received God's Holy Spirit. We can say we are believers in and supporters of and a part of the kingdom of God as it is a small outpost on this earth. The kingdom of God is not ruling and reigning on the earth now. We know that. The world powers are ruling and reigning, but the kingdom of God is represented and we're represented, we're ambassadors of that kingdom. We're representatives of that kingdom and we'll be eventually, when that kingdom is expanded over this whole world and everyone will be ruled over and reigned over by that kingdom, then we'll have a part in that ruling and reigning for a thousand years and then for a hundred years and then for eternity and whatever uh, God's plan or purpose. Uh, so, verse 18. He and he, that is Christ, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Now we know that Christ is likened, and, this, and we are told that he is the first begotten, and he's also the firstborn. He's the first spirit born. None of us are in heaven as spirit beings right now. We can have access through Jesus Christ to the Father. And one day, when we are born of the Spirit, really transformed, translated into, transformed into spirit beings, then we'll be in that kingdom. Right now, we're just a part of it. We're um, representing. So now, where is Elijah? I mean, where is Enoch? Is he still floating around in the clouds, alive? Well, the scriptures told us that these all died. And Enoch is mentioned. So these all died in faith, not having received the promises. 
So, he is not in heaven. He is not alive. He is dead, waiting for the resurrection. Now, finally, and I've got one more scripture as we uh, read through some of these uh, thoughts that I had. Over the years, we've explained in various aspects of the feast day of Pentecost. Part of the understanding of that day has to do with Enoch and other Old Testament saints in the salvation process of eternal life, of receiving the Holy Spirit, of being Jew or Gentile, Old Testament, New Testament Christians, of being anyone able to participate, to be a part of the work of God of his salvation process. We've seen they saw the promises ahead. And Hebrews says they without us should not be perfected. They without us should not be made perfect. So all those Old Testament saints from Adam on are dead, as we know in the scriptures. And uh, we even have in 1 Peter, the first chapter, verse 11, talking about the Holy Spirit that was in them, that was in the prophets. Now, we know it's possible for the Holy Spirit to influence, to be on a man, to be in a man, but not to be uh, united with that person in a begettal state. So all those Old Testament saints, remember David said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Uh, God's Spirit came on uh, many of those uh, uh, saints, uh, prophets, and yet they were not begotten as has happened with us since the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit first came and then those disciples became living new creatures with united their spirit. We heard about this earlier. A lot of this uh, message, uh, that the, the second part anyway, uh, <laughs> leave out the liberal conservative analysis. Uh, was uh, that's why we pick on Reggie. So you come to our Bible studies, you'll know he, he's. I'm glad he shows up, gives us some thunder. Uh, anyway, uh, we we know that the Holy Spirit is able to unite with man since the day of Pentecost, and we'll probably, perhaps, uh, assume we'll have some messages more relating to that uh, feast of Pentecost tomorrow. The Old Testament writers, prophets, saints believed in a future time of glory with God. From Adam right on through, you can trace this out to Jesus Christ. The future salvation process was revealed. Even the angels, it says, looked with intensity, looked into what God was doing in the church. They, were, they don't fully understand what God is doing in man. Why was, why, why was man created in God's image? And they don't fully understand that, and they're looking with intensity into the work of God in the development of the church process of salvation from Adam right on up through us to the return of Christ. Now, those Old Testament saints, Enoch, Elijah, Moses, Adam, you can, name, you can go for Isaiah and the minor prophets and David and Solomon. We trust in their righteousness, that uh, God will honor that and uh, will save them, and that they will inherit the kingdom of God with us. 
in the resurrection. Now, the first or second resurrection, that's, we know that's God's determination to say who's going to be in that, who's going to skip over into the millennium and what's going to be the status of their uh, life of eternity after that. That's God's decision as he determines. But the beautiful thing in ending here, just as Reggie ended in his summary, we have a wonderful time in the future to look forward to when we're going to be with God in that heavenly realm, the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, and then beyond, whatever his plan and purpose. We've said this over and over and over, and it should inspire us to know that God has a plan and a purpose for mankind and to, to give us the opportunity, those who will accept it and those who will become a part of the body that he is working in and understanding the plan of salvation and going through this life and preparing for that eternity with God. What a blessing that we will be able to be with God for all eternity. So I hope that uh, if, this, if this man is tuning in, that he has uh, been responded to for his criticisms of uh, Enoch that I feel were very wrong, and uh, unfortunately we can't respond to him, but if you would like to have this and more information, there's booklets over there, Where Are Enoch and Elijah?